0: Welcome to the Church 214 podcast. We're glad that you've joined us today. We hope that you enjoy today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about our church, please visit our website at church214.org. Morning. How are you? Merry Christmas. Let's pray. Jesus, we fix our eyes on you. We turn to see your wonderful face. Would you snap the chains that bind us to earth today and set our hearts on fire for the things of heaven, for the things of our true home, Would you shift our gaze up? Thank you for what you've done. Thank you for coming down off of your throne, wrapping yourself in flesh and coming to this world as a baby. We celebrate that this time of year, and it's, it's incredible. We didn't deserve us, but you saw us, and you loved us. And you humbled yourself, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, humbled yourself to come to earth, not to a palace, not as a CEO, but you came in the back door. You weren't welcomed with any fanfare from humanity. You just came and I can imagine the angels that night. Just peering over the edge of heaven. I I know you orchestrated that moment and you told them to give glory, but I bet they couldn't hold it back when they saw what their king that they worshiped continuously around the throne, when they saw that king humble himself and become a man, a tiny baby, a helpless boy. And they were ready to shout into the darkness that night. They were ready to give you all praise and all glory, and they did. And the The great shepherd showed up as a baby and the angels just burst out with song to the shepherds, praising God. And so we join their chorus tonight. We say glory to God in the highest. Peace on earth. Thank you for your goodwill towards us. Father, you are seated in majesty on your throne. You are high above every being superior to everything and everyone the lamb who was slain from the foundations of the world but yet who stands in the middle of us in the throne room the middle of your church you surround us and we encircle you the one who is the one who was and the one who we fix our eyes on who is coming it's He is the name. You are the name above every names. And at your name, every knee bows. We choose to bow our hearts and our knees in this moment today. We thank you for this word that you have for us. May it fix our gaze on our home. May it tear off the chains that bind us. this world now father our hearts cry Is your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven now merge these temples together the temples of our hearts and you the ultimate temple merge them together we join with the chorus of your spirit saying come lord jesus come be with your people Walk with us today. Show us your face, King Jesus. And all God's people agreed and said, amen, amen. Revelation 22, can you believe it? We made it to the end of the Bible. I don't know if that's cheers for like, yeah, we're going to do something else. Or to me, it's like, man, we just scratched the surface but I think, I know, it's brought us to another level. And what God has for us next is so beautiful, and we stand on this foundation of revelation. It's, it's been a beautiful journey, and we're at the end, but it's really just the beginning. It's the greatest reset in eternity. And I've had this date circled on my calendar for a while now, and this is not the message I thought I would be preaching But this is a word from the Lord. And honestly, this, to try to preach a a word on Revelation 22 is is overwhelming. There's not human language that you can put fully on our ultimate home. Um, But I'm going to try anyway. We have a hope. Did you know that? You have a hope, you have a future. Death is not the end. Death is not the end. Cancer does not get the last word. Every curse will be broken, and you will walk once again with your Father. Fully healed, fully restored, fully brought into the presence of Jesus Christ. Heaven on earth. Eden, the garden, fully restored. It's full circle time, the way he always intended it to be. Do do you believe that? I don't think we do. I don't think we fully do. We believe it in part because we see it in part. But God help us to, that's why John wrote Revelation. It's the unveiling of Jesus Christ. There's more that's going on than we can see. See, most of the time, I, I don't think we see clearly at all. We have very myopic vision. I a couple weeks ago, I was... Working in my office, and all of a sudden, I twitched my eye the wrong way, and my contact like ripped or something. I'm like, why can't I see? I went into the, the restroom, and I'm like, oh, it's ripped. I can't put that back in my eye. So, I, I didn't have a spare one with me. So, I'm like, oh, I'll just try to work without it with one eye. Not a good idea. I'm like, but I think that's the way we live our spiritual lives most of the time. We have one eye. As Christians, we have one eye on earth, maybe both eyes on earth. And sometimes we glance up towards heaven. And it causes our vision to be distorted. And if our vision is distorted and just focused on me and what's happening with me, then we cannot call heaven to earth. Last few weeks, I've been uh, looking up at the stars at night. I've been taking a walk when it's clear and the stars have been unbelievable. Do you realize how big of a star the sun is? Just gonna go astronomy here for a little bit because it's gonna give us perspective. The sun weighs about 333,000 times as much as the earth. It's so large that 1.3 million earths could fit inside the sun. And the sun is our, the only star in our solar system. Thankfully, otherwise we'd burn up. It's placed exactly where it needs to be, by a master craftsman. 93 million miles away from Earth is the sun. And see, the universe is so big that we can't really measure things in miles. We can measure that distance because it's relatively close from the Earth to the sun. But most of the time, when we're talking about the rest of the universe, we have to use light years. And a light year is the distance that light can travel in one year. So it takes light eight minutes to start at the sun and travel to Earth pretty quick. 93 million miles in eight minutes. And light travels faster than anything that our, our human minds know of at the moment. It travels at 186,000 miles per second. So that means, Jules, if, if you could travel at light speed, You could circle the Earth seven and a half times in one second. Seven and a half times one second. That's how fast light is traveling. And the Sun is only an average sized star. It's tiny compared to um, Betelgeuse, which is, I've got it circled here. Betelgeuse is the right shoulder, it's on the left side there, circled in the constellation Orion, the Hunter. It's a reddish dwarf star. Uh, You might have heard of it it before, and Betelgeuse is much larger than the sun. It's about 700 times bigger than the sun, 700 times bigger. And it's only about 100,000 times brighter than the sun. Now, Betelgeuse is approximately 724 light years away from Earth, which is a slightly incomprehensible number if you tried to calculate it in miles, so I'm not going to do it. Now, if Jules took the same, took our fastest known spaceship that we have right now, if if this was even possible, of course it's not, if she started off on a journey to Betelgeuse with our fastest spaceship, unlimited fuel, she would get there in approximately 12,800,000 years. I think we have a master craftsman at work. Now, Jules, come up here for a second because I'm picking on you. Just to get some perspective of how big this star Beetlejuice is. Again, this is not possible, but if it if it was, you're 14 years old, correct? Okay. If you were standing on Beetlejuice the star, which you've traveled to in your rocket ship now, 12 million, almost 13 million years from now, and if you could stand there and if you had a pistol in your hand and you shot it one direction, again, this is not possible, if you shot it one direction, no, no. Bullets fly fast. They don't fly as fast as light speed, but they fly pretty fast. And if that bullet could go circum, circumnavigate the entire star, if you fired it at 14 years old, it would get around back to you when you turn 70. It's a, it's a decent-sized star. Thank you, Jules. Why am I telling you this? How does it relate to Revelation? because of our myopic vision. Because we're so tethered to earth sometimes and we just look at our own little circumstances and we don't look up. We talk a lot about the heart of David at this church. Here, here's the heart of David. This is what he wrote in Psalm eight. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic and glorious and excellent is your name in all the earth. You've displayed your splendor above the heavens. Out of mouths of infants and nursing babes, you have established strength. Because of your adversaries, that you might silence the enemy and make the revengeful cease. When I consider your heavens and see the work of your fingers, the moon and stars which you have established, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than God and you've crowned him with glory. And honor, You made him to have dominion over the works of your hands and have put all things under his feet. Oh, Lord, our Lord, how majestic and glorious and excellent is your name in all the earth. I think it's amazing that as he's describing the Lord, he's pointing us up to the stars and across to babies and infants. The contrast, the beauty of if you want to see Jesus, look up. And look at a child. That's the heart of David. That's the heart of Jesus. See, when when we have myopic vision, we don't see properly. And we become chained to this world instead of unchained, able to call heaven to earth. And the entire message of Revelation is, look. Look. Open your eyes, behold, something more is going on than meets the eye. Something more is going on than you can see in your tiny, myopic vision circle. Jesus is unveiling himself if you'll look for him. See, he's the one in Revelation 22 who is the bright and the morning star. There's one star in our galaxy. But it's really not the sun. It's one who shines much brighter. One's who's, one whose face is, will, will light up the entire, t- entirety of heaven that we're coming into. There was a man back in Genesis that God brought out to see the stars. You might remember this story. His name was Abram at the time. And I was rereading this story as I was looking at the stars the other night. And it says, the Lord brought Abram outside of his tent at night. And said, look now towards the heavens and count the stars if you are able to count them. Impossible task. Then he said to him, so numerous shall your descendants be, just like the stars. And Abram believed in that promise and it was counted to him as Righteousness. And the Lord said, I'm the same God who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land as an inheritance. And I believe the Lord is once again saying to us, Children of Abraham, we are grafted in to, to the Lord calls himself the, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We are grafted in. If you are if you believe in Jesus, you're grafted into that family. And he's once again calling us outside of our tent. See, we spend too much time inside of our own tents with our myopic vision, and he's saying, come out of your tent, look up to the heavens, look up at your inheritance, come under my canopy, tear off your own roof, if you will. You've got to look higher, look up, see that there's something more going on than your own selfish mind is looking at. the entire message of Revelation. Look up. Come up here. Get your eyes off of yourself. There's a voice speaking to you. So turn and see him in all of his majesty, the risen Jesus who has all authority and he wants to give that authority to sons and daughters. The throne room is accessible right here and now. If you believe in him, you're seated in heavenly places high above every principality and power. It's time to take this invitation seriously. See, I think most of Christendom, we, we, we live in these tents like Abram and we don't come outside. We don't call down heaven. We don't look up. And instead, we're just waiting in a cave for the day when our Savior comes back. But that's not how we're called to live. Not at all. Revelation 21 and 22 describe, as best John can, our eternal home. So why are we not more excited about heaven? Now we might say that we are, but are our hearts really that excited about heaven? I think a lot of times we're chained to the things of this world. We're more excited about them than the things of heaven. And like one reason is we've believed a, a lie. And here's the lie. Who, who's moved recently? Who's, who's moved within the last couple of years? I'm raising my hand. Wow, A lot of movers. movers and shakers. It's a big process, isn't it? Yeah. The buying and selling process, the waiting, the offers, the packing, the getting rid of stuff, lots of trips to goodwill, I hope, like, get rid of stuff already. That that right there, you know, the self-storage industry in this country is so huge, so massive. I mean, every single empty Kmart and Walmart is turning into self-storage, isn't it? Because we're tied to the things of this world. We're not taking this junk with us, people. Jesus said, travel light. Man, it'll, it'll, it'll ease your soul up. That, that was a tidbit for free. It wasn't even my message. <laughs> moving, the emotions. Saying goodbye to one house and hello to another. The, the banks, oh. <laughs> the banks. <laughs> the closing, the moving your stuff in. The calling of your friends, hey, would you help me move? And everybody's like, oh, I think I'm busy that day. You know who your true friends really are. See, here's the thing. Here's the lie that the enemy has taught the church, that we're going to abandon this world and move, that we're going to be raptured away from this place. Now, if you've noticed, if you've been here for every single message of Revelation, we've not mentioned the word rapture once. Interesting, right? Because you would think Revelation, rapture. Well, it's for a very good reason because the word rapture isn't in Revelation. It's not. It's mentioned one time by Paul in First Thessalonians when he talks about being caught up in the sky to meet the Lord. And the idea is not that we're going anywhere, but that we're caught up to invite the king back in because you have to understand the culture of the time when when these Caesars and kings were conquering different cities and towns they they they'd send their army in to conquer it once it was conquered when the king would make his presence known when his the king was on the way everyone from the town would come outside of the town to rapture to welcome the king back in we're not moving The king is moving back here. He says, heaven is my throne. Earth is my footstool. He's always rested his feet here. He's always wanted to walk in the garden with you here. We're not abandoning earth. He's making all things new. The idea that we're leaving this place is is why Most Christians are careless about their lives. What you do with your life now, how you steward that impacts eternity because you're staying in this home. He wants to partner with you to build this kingdom of heaven here on earth. So we have to reject that lie that we're moving. It's from the pit of hell itself. It's a lie designed to keep you in your tent. And the Lord says, come out of your tent Gaze up at heaven because that is coming here. And I want you to partner with me to bring it here. He doesn't have to partner with sons and daughters, but that's the way his heart works. He made us in his image so that he could give us his authority to call on him and do miracles and wonders and call heaven to earth, amen? We're not moving. Now, we are in a world that is becoming the kingdom of our God. But we live in this tension right now of Babylon. That's why Revelation talks so much about the analogy of Babylon. John couldn't write it about Rome because the the officers were reading his letters, I think, I would guess. They're gonna scrutinize a letter from this guy that they'd put on a prison island. So he's gotta write about something the church would understand. So he writes about Egypt. He writes about Babylon. But they know it's, he's also talking about the world they live in called Rome. The world we live in called America. Yes, we were founded on Christian values. But I'm sorry, look around. You're in Babylon. But it's a good place to be. We'll, we'll get there. Because of Jesus Christ, we have access to heaven right here and right now. We are seated with him high above every principality and power. And we have to get past this idea that heaven is far off. Revelation 22, he says, I come quickly. We might think, well, it's taking you a while. That's not what that word quickly means. It means just like in Mark, when you read the gospel of Mark, he does things instantaneously. So for him, for us, it might seem like this has been a long time, Jesus, 2,000 years The apostles that wrote all these words were fully expecting at any moment his return. And we have to live like that, that he is coming quickly. And it's not just about that final amazing day. It's about him returning right here and right now, what the Holy Spirit is speaking right here and right now. We have to call on those things and say, just like Mark, Jesus wants to do something immediately in my life. He's coming quickly to the situation. We have to prophesy and declare those things. Jesus said all the time in his ministry, the kingdom is here. The kingdom is now. Now, he came into a Roman-occupied world. And they, the disciples thought he was going to do something drastically different than what he did. The enemy thought he was going to do something drastically different than what he did. But he had a master plan. But he said the kingdom is here. The kingdom is now. We have to prophesy this more, friends. We have to declare it's not some far-off place The kingdom is here. It's right now. He wants to do things instantaneously. He is walking among us. He is moving among us right here, right now. There's living water from his throne flowing to us right now if we will live on the bank of that river. You can drink of that water right now. It's not far off. See, heaven comes and the Holy Spirit come when we respond with desire to him. And our job is to be like John, the forerunner, preparing the way for Jesus' return. To purify ourselves as a church, as individuals, to be that spotless, white bride of Christ. To sit on the edge of our seats with anticipation, ready at any moment that the king is coming, because he is. In this situation, in that situation, we have to testify to what he's doing and coming quickly in right here and right now not just think of it as a far-off day that he's going to come at some point in time. We have to look to the heavens, come out of our tent now. We have to look up. Yes, we live under the oppression of Rome. If you are a Christ follower, you live under the oppression of evil, and evil is going to get stirred up because Satan knows that his time is short, and so he uses these earthly systems that he's still got his tentacles in He doesn't have authority over, but he's still got influence in, because sons and daughters have allowed him to have that influence. We live in the captivity of Babylon, but this is how we prepare. I want you to stand up with me. Israel and Judah had been sent into captivity in Babylon. And if you remember all the stories of Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were most likely castrated, 16 years old, castrated, saw their families killed in front of them and were sent to exile in Babylon. It would have been very easy for them to sit in their tent and just wait. But there was a promise. There was a promise and they had something burning in their hearts that a temple would be restored that the temple that, that Babylon had, had destroyed, that one day that would be restored. And this is what the Lord, word of the Lord said to them Jeremiah 29. You recognize one of these verses, but you probably don't know the rest. But this is what he's saying to you right here, right now. Put your hand over your heart, receive this. This is what the Lord of the heavens' armies, the God of Israel, says to the captives in Peoria that he is exiled from Babylon to Jerusalem. Build homes, plan to stay. Plant gardens and eat the fruit they produce. Marry and have children. Then find spouses for them so that you may have many, many grandchildren. Multiply. The first command he gives in Genesis, and then he says it again. Multiply. Do not dwindle away. He's preparing his remnant. And work for the peace and prosperity of the city of Peoria, where I sent you to exile. Pray to the Lord for it, for its welfare determines your welfare. This is what the lords of heaven's armies, the God of Israel says, do not let your prophets and fortune tellers who are with you in the land of Babylon trick you. Do not listen to their dreams because they are telling you lies in my name. I have not sent them. This is what the Lord says. You will be in Babylon for 70 years. You'll be there for a while. But then I will come to you again that's a promise and do all the good things that I've promised and I will bring you home again here's the verse you know for I know the plans I have for you says the Lord these are plans for good and not disaster to give you a future and a hope and in those days when you pray I will listen. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me right here, right now. I will be found by you. And I will end your captivity and restore your fortunes. I will gather you out of the nations where I sent you, and I will bring you home to your very own land. This is the word of the Lord. You may sit down. We have a home that's coming. It's not bricks and mortar. His name is Jesus. He is the ultimate treasure. He is the ultimate home. His presence is the definition of heaven. And you are just like the Daniels, the Ezras, the Nehemiahs, the Jeremias, the Esthers who lived in captivity, yet whose hearts longed for home. Our hearts have to turn from the things of this world and turn to the longing of heaven, to the longing of Jesus, to the rebuilding of the temple, to the fullness of the restoration. Right here, right now, he's rebuilding and restoring Eden in you right here and right now, if you will search for him. See, that's what Revelation 21 and 22 are describing. It's the ultimate restoration of the temple. It's not a physical temple this time. But he's taking two temples and merging them together. The first temple is you. If you believe in Jesus, you are his temple. You carry his presence. You house his presence. That's why we talk about heart condition so much. Because you are a carrier. Peoria means in the Indian word Peoria the tribe, means carrier. You are a carrier, a temple of his presence. He said in his word, he placed eternity in your heart. See, there's nothing that will satisfy you. You cannot find anything that will satisfy you like Jesus can. Nothing. And he placed this eternity in your heart to respond to only one thing, to him. He's the only one that can satisfy what your heart is longing for. You carry that, his presence with you. You, He breathed his breath into you. His breath is in your lungs. You breathe him in, you breathe him out. The second temple is him. He's the ultimate temple. That's what it says in Revelation 21 and 22. He's preparing himself to come down and merge with you, the temple here on earth. And his desire is to live with you. It's, it's been his desire all along. To wipe every tear from your eye right now and in the future. To remove every curse right now and in the future. And to bring you into a place where the light of the sun is no longer needed. Where that star that's 93 million miles away from us that gives us beautiful sunrises and sunsets. is no longer needed because he's there in his fullness. He is the bright and morning star. It's a place that doesn't lock its gates because there's no enemies any longer. You'll be able to see the smoke of your enemy go up forever and ever. I I think that's amazing. I can't remember what chapter that's in, Phil or Isaac, 18, 19, but the smoke of hell will go up forever and ever as a reminder to everyone on that new earth It's a testament of what he's done, of what happens to those that go against Yahweh. You'll see their smoke forever and ever, and you'll give glory. But it won't have any gates because there won't need to be any gates to protect you from anything because the Lord will be in his fullness there. And I'm telling you what, he's in the process of making this happen right now, right here all things are becoming new. There's pieces of heaven that are falling to earth that are being established, and he wants to do it in and through you. In your workplace, in your home, remember he said build homes, plant a garden, plan to stay, marry, raise your children, find spouses for them, multiply, do it all over again. Build homes, plant gardens, plan to stay. He's coming, all things are being made new. Your heart is preparing itself to fully merge with him. That's why there's preparation needed to welcome the king back in. There's preparation needed to purify my heart and your heart to present this bride to him that's pure and spotless see you need refining today this is a message about refinement i need refining today the temple of my heart needs to be broken down just like the temple the second temple had to be broken down this temple needs to be broken down so that it can be rebuilt by a master craftsman correctly because what this temple carries is too important to carry half-heartedly. Our hearts and our minds must be rewired. See, we've believed bad theology for so many years, and when you believe a bad report, listen to me, when you believe a bad report, you have no desire to step into the promised land. When you believe a bad report that the enemy, that the giants are stronger and bigger and more powerful than the Lord your God that made you a promise, then you stay in your tent. You don't look to the heavens. You don't step towards the promised land. See, we've scared the hell out of people. We've scared the hell out of people, but we haven't replaced it with for a longing for heaven. No longer will we believe bad reports. The king is coming. Our eternal home is coming and we get to step into the promised land now and partner with him to build the new eden right here and right now see you live in babylon but most of the churches babylon-like as well we live in a world where thousands of christians break the internet to buy taylor swift tickets at insane amounts of money and three people show up here for breakthrough on a Thursday night. Fit in a lot of other examples. Not just throwing Swifties under the bus. But we know the church has chosen in the most part to worship. Have you? I don't know if you've seen some images from these concerts. To worship. Not Yahweh. Some dark things. While there's worship available. Here and now. There's breakthrough for heaven available here and now. And we can't sit idly by and allow this. This is not, that's not the pure and spotless bride that he's coming back for. He's preparing us for unity with him. See, that's why he equates it to a marriage. We are the bride and he is the groom. I don't know. For those of you that are married, do you remember the days, the, the weeks, the months leading up to your marriage, to your wedding? Yeah. Gee. Okay, calm down, Jason. <laughs> no, that, it's, it's good. They're, those are beautiful times. You're looking forward to a bride and a groom, and he's anticipating you, and you should be anticipating him. The wedding day is coming. The engagement, though, is now. And that that desire you have should be fueled now. That fire that lights you up, just like your physical marriage. The marriage of the Lamb should fire you up right now. Just like the disciples on the road to Emmaus. They're walking with this man, and he's teaching them and talking to them. They have no idea who he is. And after he leaves, they're like, who who was that? Because something burned in our hearts. That's the kind of intimacy that he wants with you right here, right now. Habakkuk 2.14, the day is coming when the yadah, the intimacy of the glory of the Lord will flood the earth, just like the water co- covers the sea. There's this sign on the road every, every time I go home, and it said, the road may flood. And I see it every day, and I say, yes, Jesus, may it flood with your glory. May the intimacy of the bride of Christ grow and grow and grow until there is another flood on earth, but this time not of water, but of the Holy Spirit. There must be a groaning within us, like a Romans 8 groaning, where he talks about all of creation anticipating, like on the edge of its seat if you will on the edge of heaven anticipating the return the fullness of the savior coming back that's how your heart our hearts must respond to him to look for him see he responds to those who desire him he leans close to those with desperation draw near to me and i'll draw near to you he'll never force you but his desire oh his desire for your heart is so great So how do we how do we turn our hearts like that? I love that we sang, turn your eyes on Jesus because they, the, the Phil or Jordan didn't know this but three weeks ago I felt the Lord say, we are going to sing turn your eyes on Jesus and I, so I felt it so strongly I almost texted them but I like nope but he knew. How do we turn our eyes on Jesus and let the things of earth fade? How do we practically do that? I'll just give you five different things. There's many more, but here's five. Number one, use the keys. Use the keys. Jesus is the one that holds the keys of death and the grave. He's the one who has the key of David, which both locks what needs to be shut and opens the ancient gates of heaven. Matthew 16:19 he says I will give you that's you the keys of heaven's realm to forbid on earth that's where you are every day what is forbidden in heaven to release on earth that which is released in heaven. You have keys if you so choose to take them. He's giving his authority to sons and daughters. To give you keys to shut doors that need to be shut on earth, doors that are shut in heaven. To release things, the open doors on earth, the doors that are open in heaven. That's your mandate. That's your authority. And see, this is how you do that. When you agree, what what you agree with, agreement is so powerful. What you agree with either breaks open heaven or hell here on earth. Your words are so powerful. The most powerful thing in the entire universe is the Father's voice. Remember all those stars I just showed you? He spoke one word, and they all came into existence and aligned perfectly where they needed to be. The sun, 93 million miles from earth, perfect position. Betelgeuse, perfect position. All the millions, of the rest of them, the ones we don't even know about, perfectly positioned. His voice did that then he put his breath in you, in your lungs. And when you come into agreement with his voice, those are the keys of heaven that both bind the doors of hell, shut doors that need to be closed here, and then open doors of heaven. I would suggest to look for ways to retrain your heart and your mind in what you agree to, what you speak out against, so there's, there's many times, even in simple conversations around the dinner table, or with a friend, or with your spouse, where you have to say, no, that's not true. Shut that door of hell. There's times where you have to still tell yourself that. If Jesus can turn to Peter and say, get behind me, Satan, then we need to be telling that to ourselves. Like, no, that is not a thought from heaven. Shut that door. But then there's times where we're silent and we shouldn't be silent. We should come into agreement with the, that word from heaven. And we need to say, yes. We need to prophesy more. We need to say, the kingdom of heaven is here now. Take the keys. That's number one. Number two, get next to the river. Get next to the river. Revelation 22, verse 1, Then the angel showed me a river of water of life, flowing with water clear as crystal, continuously pouring out from the throne of God and from the Lamb. This is a river that's flowing right now there is water of life that's available to you right now that continuously flows from the throne. Get next to that river. Plant yourself by that river. See, wherever you plant yourself, the environment you choose to be in, and you're in a good place today that you've planted yourself in, that determines everything. That determines the fruit of your tree. Psalm 1 says, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the path of sinners, or sit or rest in the seat of the scoffers, the, the people that ridicule. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, the words of the Lord, and in his law he meditates. This is not just reading the scripture. Meditating is getting it in you seeing the Holy Spirit giving you a verse and something jumping out, and then you're not just saying that's cool, that's great, but you chewing on that. you going to sleep thinking about that. you waking up wrestling with that. That's meditating. That will change your life. That's being planted by the river. And if you do that, you'll be like a tree that's firmly planted and fed by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither and whatever you do prospers see if there's any area in your life right now that doesn't look like heaven and I'm guaranteeing you there is one there's 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 areas for me then you need to transplant yourself by the river and drink from another source because if the fruits bad in an area of your life then what you're drinking from is not correct and there's a continuously flowing river. There's, there's one thing that jumped out to me in Psalm 1 there that I cannot not say. And it's don't rest in the seat of the scoffers. Your heart cannot afford for one moment to rest in a place that mocks, scorns, or ridicules the things of heaven. And if you find yourself in that environment, you need to break off agreement with it right away. You need to walk away from that environment. And if you're the one causing that environment, you need to transplant yourself by the river of life. See, when I'm at my best in my life, I'm in the Word. When you're at your best in your life, you're in the Word, not just reading it, meditating it, soaking in it, wrestling with the Lord on it. Because his word is living and active and sharper than any double-edged sword. And it will cut between your spirit and your soul. Your soul is that place where your mind, will, and emotions are. Battling, that's the battleground. Your spirit is the one seated with him in heavenly places. And his sword, his word, cuts perfectly between those two. And separates the good from the bad. And brings you into alignment. It shifts your inner world. So number two, get by the river. Number three, receive... Your healing. Revelation 22, verse 2, the river was flowing in the middle of the street of the city, and on either side of the river was the tree of life with 12 kinds of ripe fruit according to each month of the year. The leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations, and every curse will be broken and no longer exist, for the throne of God and the Lamb will be there in that city. Yes, the fullness of your healing will happen on that day. But there is also healing available now. There are curses that are meant to be broken off now because of the river that flows from the throne and of the Lamb. The leaves are for the healing of the nations. This this became very real to me last year when my brother was here last September. I don't know who was here remembers this, but I wasn't able to go up to Canada. I'm from, originally from Canada, and I wasn't able to go back there because of their vaccination policy. And um, my brother came here in, in on September 11th, actually, and we prayed for him, and we prophesied breakthrough that the moment that he came, he would step back foot and land, that plane would land Canada, and he walked on that jet bridge, that something would break loose in the spiritual realm. Now, if you don't know, the Canadian flag has a leaf on it and I prophesied this verse, the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. And there were some things shifting in Canada in 2022 that I believe are still reverberating around the world for the benefit of the nations, for the healing of the nations. So yes, this is about a finality in heaven, but it's also about the here and now. And I remember just, there was a breakthrough right after that. And two weeks later, I was driving across the border into Canada. And I'll never forget it. And I I I told Leah this too because there was some breakthrough she was looking for in her life. That when I pierced that border physically in my truck, there were, it was it was the end of September and leaves were falling. And I'll never I will never forget that as long as I live. I could I could feel the Lord breaking off curses, breaking off things, not just for my life but for multiple people's lives. The healing is available now. You have not because you ask not. We have to press in to our healing here and now. Number four, look for his face. Look for his face. We just sang about it. His loving servants will worship him and they will always see his face. His name will be on their foreheads. This is the fullness of the priestly blessing coming into reality. And my daughter and I, we pray this every night together, don't we? The Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you. Be gracious unto you. The Lord turn his face. Just like we're turning to Jesus, he turns his face to us and gives us peace. Shalom. The presence of the goodness of God. A a word that we don't have in the English language, but it describes the turning of God's face. It's the most beautiful thing ever. And you can receive that here and now. Look for his face in every circumstance. When it's dark, look for his face because he's turning towards you are you turning towards him see sometimes we we see through a glass darkly right now don't we Paul writes that in first Corinthians but we can still see you can catch a glimpse of light through a dark glass just like when you're looking up at the stars at night do you ever focus on the darkness of space I don't I look at the light of the stars you choose, your heart chooses what it looks at. Are you looking at the light or are you looking at dark? Are you speaking things that are dark or are you looking at things that are light? In the daily struggle in Babylon, look for his face. Then number five, raise your voice with his. Raise your voice with his. It's the, it's the cry of the end of Revelation 22. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony to share with the congregations. I am the bright morning star. I am David's spiritual root and his descendants. Come, says the Holy Spirit and the bride in divine duet. Let everyone who hears this duet join with them in saying, come. Let everyone gripped with spiritual thirst say, come. And let everyone who craves the gift of living water Drink freely and say, come. See, he created this heartbeat, this heart of David, all so that he could inherit it. All things are for him and by him. and He created your heart so that he could inherit your heart. Remember, the very beginning, Genesis 1, Elohim speaks, the Trinity speaks by himself. Let there be Light. And there was light. Now in Revelation 22, this is so beautiful. He's asking for sons and daughters to join in his voice together and say, come. Come. We're coming into a new Eden. All things are becoming new. And now you have an opportunity to join with his voice. The one who created the world, the master carpenter. And now you can join. You have the opportunity to join with him. And say, Come. Why don't you stand up? I'm going to take a right turn, or it might seem like a right turn right now, but it's not. Do you remember the story when Jesus comes to the temple and they're selling all kinds of things, commercializing the temple? And this is Jesus with fire in his eyes before John saw it in Revelation 1. This is some righteous anger of Jesus. And he went and he made a whip. Yeah, that Jesus made a whip. Savage Jesus made a whip. And he started whipping tables, flipping them up. We don't like to talk about this story a lot because we think of Jesus as gentle and kind, which he is. This was actually love, by the way. But he had to clear what was happening in the temple. He had to clear it out. And his disciples, this is awesome that they saw this. When his disciples saw him do this, they remembered a scripture. This is so cool. This is like the fishermen are learning. They're remembering a scripture. And they saw Jesus do this, and they they saw this scripture in their minds which says, I'm consumed with zeal for the house of God. I'm consumed with a fiery passion to keep this house pure. That's what Jesus was doing. I had a vision back in May during during Breakthrough. And during the song, Make Room, I saw Jesus with a whip. I should close your eyes right now just so you can focus on this because this is important for your heart. I saw Jesus with a whip and he was in the temple. He was whipping those tables apart. Zeal consuming him for the house of God. And then I saw Jesus in our sanctuary right here where you're standing at 307 Oak Street. And he was dressed like a Roman centurion this time. And he carried that same whip, and he was walking down rows of small houses. There were houses built in here, small houses in this sanctuary. And each house represented a person, represented you. And he would stand at the door of each house, and he would knock. Just like it says in Revelation 3, I stand at the door and knock but he would only enter in if he was invited by you. And some of you were allowing him in, and others were not. Now all the houses were safely in the sanctuary, but only some of them were letting him in. And when he was invited into a house, he all of a sudden transformed into the Jesus who was crucified, who was just wearing a loincloth, and he had huge open wounds on his back from the whips that tore his back open. Yet at the same time, he was so strong and he carried his own whip. He was the strong man coming to clear each heart, clear each house when invited in. And when he went into your house, he would start whipping tables in half, flipping some of them and whipping others. And I saw tables with names on them. Jealousy, competition, greed, lust, envy, bitterness. And he would destroy each table in each room. And as he destroyed them, he would take the building materials from each room, from those houses, and then he would go up to the second level of this building where he'd start making another level. And most of the people let him in, and he'll use that building material like a master carpenter to start building another level at Church 214. See, as we give him control of our hearts and our temples, He wrecks the areas that need to be wrecked, and then he uses those materials. As as hard as it is, as painful as it is, then he uses those materials for your benefit so you can go up to another level. He's building into you, but you have to let him in. He would never force a house to comply. He would never force someone to comply, but he would stand at the door and knock. Sometimes he would be knocking for a long time. Now, there were some houses on the first level that were almost completely destroyed that you had yielded everything to him. And to those houses, he gave that person a new address, a new name, a new number. And he promoted them to the second level where their former house had been used to build a new foundation. See, the more we lay down in our hearts, the more we allow him to purify them, the more he can build up. The more we release, the more the whole family inherits. The more we bow low, the higher the kingdom is built. The altar is open if you wanna meet him this morning. He's standing at your door and knocking. Will you give him access to flip over the tables that need to be flipped? To whip the rooms that need to be whipped so that he can destroy that temple, that house, but then use that material to build you into another level so you can go up higher to come up here with him. The choice is yours. He will not force you but he will keep knocking. I think there's many of us in the room today that are in our tents, so to speak, that he's asking to come out under his canopy to look out at the heavens, to take the things that are chaining us to earth To break those chains off so that he can allow heaven to flow through our hearts and we're not tied to things of this world any longer. We're not tied to the Babylon system. But we're instead tied to the throne room. See, he can do a lot with scrap wood. He's the master carpenter. He can do a lot with dirt. It's how he molded you and created you. He can do a lot with dry bones. And this morning, he's knocking on your door. He's got a whip in his hand. But he won't force you. But he is desperate for your entire heart. He is desperate for a, a pure bride. He is desperate to give get access to that room that you've had locked for so long. Are you going to allow him to wreck your heart this morning? so that he can rebuild it. I'd invite you if, you, if you want to allow him to wreck you this morning, I'd invite you to the altar right now. Just you and him. Give him access. Let him turn what you've built into scrap wood so that he can take it and build you up another level. Let him take the things that your hands have built with your ideas, not his, and turn them over to the master carpenter. Let him reduce the temple to dry bones to scraps of wood because he can do a lot with dry bones. I'm inviting anybody who's got some dry bones this morning to come to the altar, then I'm going to prophesy over you. Anyone who wants to say, come, Holy Spirit, come. Anyone who wants to join in that duet, who wants to start calling heaven to earth, in your everyday, what you think is mundane job, school, work, you're building into heaven if you allow him to come in with the whip if you allow him to build it. If the Lord doesn't build a house, if the Lord doesn't build a house, the workers labor in vain. Jesus, take these houses, take these temples, and whip them up good. Flip over these tables, Jesus. We give you full access. We hear you knocking and we say, come in, Jesus. To the table that we haven't let you sit at before, flip it over. It's yours. To the room we haven't let you in before, whip it up. take it all you don't want half of a heart we give you our whole heart we give you everything use that scrap lumber use that hurt that's turned into bitterness whip it up whip up that pride and turn it into humility Take that room of lust and flip it to love of the Father. Take the tables of envy and shame and greed and competition and anything that has chained us to earth and flip it over right now. Destroy it. Destroy these temples so that you can rebuild them. So, Father, we present our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to you. We present these temples, and you see these dry bones. You see this scrap wood. And we prophesy what Ezekiel prophesied, what you told him to prophesy in Ezekiel 37, where he saw a valley of bones they were scattered everywhere on the ground because I think you would whipped them up pretty good and they were completely dried out and he said son of man can these bones become living people again he said oh sovereign Lord I don't know the answer only you do and he said to me speak a prophetic word to these bones and say dry bones listen to the word of the Lord I'm going to put breath in you again. I'm going to make you live. I will put flesh and muscles on you. I will cover you with skin. I will put breath into you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I spoke this message. And as I spoke, there was a rattling all across the valley. The bones of each body came together and attached themselves as complete skeletons. Then as I watched the muscles and flesh formed over the bones, skin formed to cover their bodies, but they still had no breath in them. Then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to the wind, son of man. Speak a prophetic message and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, O breath, from the four winds. Breathe into these dead bodies so they may live again. So I spoke as he commanded me. And the breath came into their bodies and they stood to their feet a great army so father we say thank you for these bones that you've been given access to thank you for dry bones and scrap lumber and the things that you've turned over and been allowed into rooms that needed to be whipped up this morning father and we say breathe on them first make them come into alignment jesus just like you aligned all the stars align The souls here this morning, align the spirits of the people here this morning. Because if there's no alignment, there can't be a body. And then put a new heart into them. Wrap them in flesh, just like you came wrapped in flesh to us. Wrap them in a new temple. Create a new wineskin. We're going up a level. We cannot stay in the old wineskin. You had to break it. We're going up a new level. Create a new wineskin to carry a new heart condition. And then breathe on us, Jesus. We join in your duet. We join with your voice in agreement saying, Come, Holy Spirit, come. From the four winds, we plant ourselves by the river that flows continuously from the throne. And our heart desire is to see you manifest in our lives. We give you full access. Now come do what you wanna do. Raise an army. Lift us to a higher level. Take what the world calls scrap. Take dry bones and build an entirely new level, Jesus. We love you. We love you. We love you.